This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Happy Monday or happy new week to you friends, depending on what day you're listening to this episode. Today, we're talking about potential causes of leg fatigue when you're mountain biking, gravel riding, whatever. But for the sake of this episode, we'll we'll leave it to mountain biking because I think all too often I'll hear it on a ride from friends or I'll experience myself or I'll hear it from clients and things like that. And I wanted to definitely address it because I feel like this is a really good question that I got from a uh, an actual shred strong athlete. So one of my shred strong athletes, shout out to her. I won't I won't name you. You know who you are. She recently reached out to me and she was curious because despite her strength training and trying to stay as consistent as she can with that, you know, especially having kids and full time job and things like that, she was just feeling like her legs were a little bit fatigued when she was doing some climbs and some bike rides. She felt a hell of a lot stronger on her climbs and on her bike in general, but her legs definitely felt heavy is what she called it and just felt kind of fatigued after a bit. So she was curious if there's anything that maybe she's doing, you know, that she could do differently. I know she she wasn't uh, necessarily paying too much attention to her food intake, which is something that I'll talk about as a potential cause in a moment. But, uh, you know, for her... It could be a couple of different things, you know, maybe the fact that she wasn't necessarily doing intervals, for example, or also that she wasn't fueling enough and eating enough, maybe even hydrating enough or taking in enough electrolytes for as much as she sweats. So these are all valid reasons, but I did want to expand on some common causes because again, I feel like this is a fairly common thing that I hear about, you know, whether it's on the trail from strangers or on the trail with friends or myself. And I thought it would really help you if I shared the why behind it on today's episode. So I hope you don't mind me diving in on this topic because I think that this is a, a relatable topic for a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of you. All right, so the fatigue could be due to a few things, all of which are, are definitely worth considering. Now, I will go ahead and say there is a caveat because there, there can be certain medical conditions. Now, keep in mind, I am not an MD or DO or anything like that, so I'm not a physician cannot diagnose anything out of my scope of practice. But I will say, you know, there are certain conditions, especially neurological conditions, uh, such as multiple sclerosis, aka MS, uh, and things like that, that can cause just leg heaviness and fatigue, can also be a symptom. Um, So it is always worth getting it checked out if you go through maybe this list and try to think about some things that could potentially be you. All right, so let's let's dive in, friends. All right, so first cause potentially this is of course a potential cause. I have to say my little uh, disclaimer here. First one, and I did bring this up with her because she is in the Shred Strong program, so she is getting back into doing some of the strength training and things like that uh, because she's she's recently had to play a, a taxi or Uber to her kids for their various sports you know games. You know how that is after school. <laughs> I'm telling you, a parent's job is never done. Uh, but the first cause, potential cause, is that maybe you're riding too close time-wise after more of a, uh, a quad-centric or especially a leg-centric in general workout. So, you know, think about things like squats, 
or regular lunges or walking lunges or split squats or Bulgarian split squats when you have the rear leg elevated on a surface. Uh, hack squats, that's something that really focuses in on the quads or, you know, my favorite, the cyclist squat, which is a lot like the hack squats. It's similar. Uh, definitely works on the, on the quads and focuses on the quads. Leg extensions, things like that. You know, you get the idea. Um, what I suggest, if you think that this might potentially be the cause for you, is try to give yourself a few hours at a minimum between your lifting session and your ride, your bike ride. Uh, preferably, you know, sure, try to aim for an entire day between your lifting and your riding. But if that's not feasible and you want to do a two-a-day because of your schedule or maybe you're a shift worker and you have 12-hour long shifts, then yeah, you know, give yourself at least a few hours. What I recommend is, you know, anywhere between three and six hours is it's generally a good minimum. Ideally, if you work a typical type of a Monday through Friday type of situation or at least a typical schedule like, you know, morning to night, for example, like nine to five, then you might be able to do a morning workout and then do an evening bike ride, for example, you know, after work. So if that's possible, that would be a really good scenario as well. So just make sure that you're giving your body a little bit of a rest between two of those sessions, okay? Uh, even pro athletes, they do the same things. So please don't think that you, you know, by linking them together, these workouts together, don't think that you're getting any benefit out of it other than just having fatigue for one of those sessions more than the other. And usually you're going to just have greater fatigue for whatever session is the second session that you're doing that day. You know, so say you're going for an early morning bike ride because it's getting hot as hell in the desert right now. Uh, but say you go for an early morning bike ride in the morning before suns- before sunrise, and then you're doing a strength training later in the day. So say you don't do strength training later in the day, I apologize, but you do strength training right after your bike ride in the morning. Then that strength training session, you might just have a greater fatigue uh, and feel a little bit more burn in that particular workout. And that's just because of accumulated fatigue, accumulated energy not being available to you, you know, via your mountain, your uh, glycogen and your muscles and things like that. So just something to think about. Basically, just try to split. Give yourself a little bit of rest, okay? All right. Second potential cause is that you may not be sleeping and recovering enough. So it kind of goes along with the first one, but this is ultimately looking at your overall sleep and recovery as an athlete, as a human. Um, ideally, they're they're saying that you should, research is, is more or less saying that you should aim for at least seven to seven, out, seven and a half hours of sleep um, a, a day, preferably, and at least get one to two days of rest per week. And this is variable dependent upon you, your age, things like that. Generally speaking, this is a generalization, but as you age, you might require one additional rest day, maybe even two additional rest days. So play around with that one to two rest days per week. Some people find benefit in doing two to three days of rest per week. It's totally up to you. I will say, if you are a menstruating individual, uh, then you might need to take that week that you are menstruating uh, or the week beforehand because we're not all built the same. So our symptoms might be different uh, depending on the week in our cycle. So for you, it might be the week before like it is for me, or it might be the week up. You know, uh, for me, my exhaustion and fatigue usually starts like the day right just like right before I start um, my period. And then it usually lasts for like a day or two afterwards. You know, I, I usually have one to two days a month where I'm just like, 
nah, just sit me on the sofa, dude. I'm good. I might even work from the sofa. I mean, who knows? <laughs> like it's just, just one or two days. And what I find for me is it's usually my iron levels and things like that, a variety of other things that I will not touch on in this podcast episode, but we'll save that for another one. How about that? Um, but you know, it is valid to acknowledge that your energy might feel low during right around your cycle. And for folks, it's going to, it's going to be different. So you just need to track your cycle and be aware of what day in your cycle the fatigue starts to emerge. If you are a menstruating individual and you are not tracking your cycle, even if you cannot risk pregnancy like me, (laughs) I'm not risking pregnancy at all with my partner, but it's important to know where your cycle is. If you're not tracking your cycle, please track your cycle. Just use your regular calendar. You don't have to, if you're scared to use apps because of everything going on right now, um, you know, in terms of just the I don't want to get political or anything, but this isn't political. It's health. It's, it's public health. Um, but concerning like the abortion laws and things like that, if you're worried about your privacy using particular apps, then don't, don't use these apps. Use a calendar or use a paper calendar, you know, an old, get an old school paper calendar. I, I've had clients send me, uh, this calendar of dogs pooping, literally it's photos of dogs pooping and it's a good old paper calendar. Thank you to, you know, who you are, uh, who sent that to me. And you know, it's one of those things like, Hey, just track it on a paper catalog or a paper calendar and call it a day. No need for a nap, but definitely be aware of your fatigue cycles. If you do have a period and, uh, you haven't necessarily gone through menopause or anything like that, or if you don't have a uterus, (laughs) congratulations, but I cannot emphasize enough how important sleeping and recovering is because that is truly when you get stronger. That's when your muscles are able to recuperate and really recover and really try to close those fibers up and and heal. Uh, So if you are slacking in the sleep and recovery part of your training, that's unfortunate because that is really half of the training. That is where you get strong. So I really recommend trying to dial in your sleep routine as best as you can before bed. Try not to use electronics if you can 30 to 60 minutes before bedtime. That does include the TV and that does include your your phone. Um, but, you know, try to read. Uh, try to be, you know, intimate with your partner. I mean, whatever it is for you, just try to have some sort of down regulation time to, to get really good sleep. Because I know for me, I'm an absolute zombie when I don't get enough sleep. Um, and I, I can't emphasize this enough because when you're tired, when you're fatigued, your muscles will feel fatigued and you're just going to feel generally more tired in your workouts and all of this stuff. And you're going to feel like, God, what am I doing wrong? And it's really just sleep, you know, which I know I'm, I'm making that sound kind of like a simple, uh, you know, equation like, Hey, you just need more sleep, but it really is. It does boil down to that. People often think, oh, I just need more coffee. I need more, uh, you know, uh, Coca-Cola. I almost said Coke, but I wasn't talking about that kind of Coke. I was talking about Coca-Cola or something with a caffeine, caffeine, you know, uh, espresso beans, chocolate covered espresso beans, whatever it is. Some people think that they need more of that or they need a pre-workout. Oh, that's my favorite. I just hear people say, oh, I just need a pre-workout because I need to have that energy before my workout. No, you really just need more sleep. I mean, you really do. If you have children, I, I feel for you and I get it. 
if you have kids, especially if they're like under five years old, really under seven, probably, <laughs> let's be real, uh, then just do the best that you can for your sleep, you know, uh, and don't be too hard on yourself. Okay. All right. And you know what? That's going to, I'm telling you, that's just going to have to be another, another podcast episode because, uh, sleep, I mean, it's already on my list of things to talk about, but I'm really trying to coordinate the topics with the bike season right now. And just with, with symptoms that people are giving me. So thank you clients. Thank you athletes that I work with because you all are inspiring a lot of these topics lately. So potential cause number three of why the hell your legs are feeling fatigued when you're biking. It's that you might be under eating, especially by eating uh, less carbs before and after rides or workouts. So please make sure you're at least getting some good carbohydrates in the meal before your rides. Like I'd say, you know, in the meal, maybe two to three hours before your ride and in a snack, maybe about, you know, 30, 60 minutes before your actual bike ride itself. In the meal before the larger meal, you know, try to have at least 30 to 60 grams of carbs. That's usually a bare minimum. Now, I will say if you're an intense individual, you're training for Leadville, you're training for something really just monstrous, right? You might require closer to hundred grams of carbs. And I know that sounds like a lot, you know, like, Oh my God, that's like 400 calories and carbs alone. It's fine. This is, this is the, the product of being an athlete and having more muscle and having more fitness and having a heart that is being used. It's a muscle. Your heart is a muscle. You're, you're going to need to fuel you. All right. The, the more you under eat, the more you're just going to feel like you're just dragging in your workouts, especially in your, in your mountain bike rides. And I, I feel very passionate about this, especially with my female clients, because, you know, society, and I see, I even see this with some male clients that I work with, because we are all made to believe that we need to have this perfect bike body, whatever the hell that is. And bicycling magazine actually recently did an, uh, an article on this, like what's the perfect weight for, for biking. And, and their, their claim was like, Hey, there's not like, there really isn't, you need to find what's comfortable for you in terms of what keeps you healthy. And I applaud them for saying that because in the, in the seventies and eighties and even the nineties and well, really the aughts too, you know, it's constantly been about getting as lean as possible. You want to look like the Tour de France athletes and you want to be super, super lean because that means you're going to have greater power ratio, blah, blah, blah on the pedals. You're going to be just more powerful. Please stop this madness. Please just for the love of all that is good, fuel you, fuel you. You are the engine of the bike. I cannot emphasize this enough. So at least 30 to 60 grams carbs, it's usually a bare minimum which is about two cupped hands worth if you don't want to measure it out with a food scale. If you don't measure your food, hey, that's fine. Just look at your hand, cup it like you're going to splash water on your face, you know, you cup your hand and that is like a cupped handful. So roughly, I think it's what, what does it measure out to? Like a half cup to three quarters cup of rice if you were going to use like a measuring cup. So that's going to be roughly about 25 to 35 grams of carbs. And that's again, roughly. All right. You don't have to be super precise. You just have to be better than you are right now. Okay. (laughs) Again, this is not about perfection. This is just really about making sure you're fueling yourself with incremental changes, making these tiny little changes and tiny little dial adjustments. These will go a very, very long way. 
Um, but yeah, definitely just try to make sure you're not under eating, you know, as a general rule of thumb, all too often I have ladies coming to me, females coming to me saying that they're eating about 1200 to 1500 calories a day. That's fantastic for a toddler, for a toddler, not a 30 plus 40 plus year old woman who is menstruating and who is active and has a full-time job and maybe has one and a half kids. And you know, I mean, no, you, you, you need to eat more, you know, unless you are truly trying to reduce your body fat, you know, level, which is a whole other topic for a whole other day, because that is also a little bit of a science. You can't, you can't just drastically cut your calories for a long period of time. Cause that's the other thing is I see people cutting their calories for literally years on end, if not months. And I mean, friends, that's just not the way to live. And I, I know you're trying to make yourself smaller because that's going to supposedly make you happier. But here I am tangenting about, you know, going on a tangent about this, but I am so passionate about this. I just wish, I wish more people would, would desire taking up space and desire being stronger and desire just being comfortable with kind of how their body is. And then just trying to focus on being as healthy as they possibly can and focusing less on their body weight scale and more on their energy levels and their sleep and their, their mood and, and just how good you feel performing on and off the bike. So please, you know, try not to undereat. Most, most women who are especially menstruating, you're going to need a minimum 1800 calories just to function in life. Uh, of course, this is dependent on a variety of different factors, medical history, height, weight, current height and weight, your history and dieting and, and things like that. But I mean, 1800 calories is a good minimum, you know, generally right around 2000 calories is really good. And I know Milo, Milo just sighed. He's feeling my passion. Um, but really you shouldn't stay less in on less calories for long duration of time. And I've talked about this bullet point for literally five minutes longer than I was expecting to, but God, I just get so passionate about it, you all. I I really do, and I hope it comes across as passionate and not necessarily anger. It's just I want I want everyone to feel what it's like to feel energy. I really do. Oh, it's like my life calling. All right, let's move on. Moving on. Number four, potential cause for those heavy ass legs. You may not have enough base miles on the bike right now. <laughs> now, base miles, they're not always done at speed. So they're not like done at warp chicken speed or, or mock chicken speed, whatever the hell we say. Uh, they're usually done at around, you know, zones one to two, not even zone three, really, with easier pedaling. And, you know, if you want kind of a litmus test is when you're doing this type of pedaling for base miles, you should be able to hold a conversation. Now, not having ample base mileage or cardio fitness may sometimes cause legs to feel fatigue a little bit earlier because you're not used to the hydrogen you feel building up in your legs. And yes, I said hydrogen because it's not lactic acid that builds up. Oh, I know, I know. Even if you've heard it from a doctor, it's actually not true. It's not lactic acid that builds up in those muscles. Uh, it's actually hydrogen that builds up. Basically, I'm not going to nerd out too much because I've already nerded out earlier, but 
it's hydrogen that builds up from using energy stores in your muscle, basically. The more conditioned you are, however, the more adept you will be at feeling that muscle burn and being able to handle it. So just remember, it's not necessarily lactic acid. It's just a good old buildup of hydrogen. And I will go ahead and say that the lactate substrate that, that is made when converting energy in the body is very useful for energy because it can be converted to glucose via glucogenesis. Gluc- oh my God, I always fuck up this word. Uh, glu- <laughs> that word, yeah. Glucogeogenesis. Um, so don't curse the burn the next time you feel it in your legs or elsewhere in your body. Just try to get used to it and welcome it as a friend and just know, ah, this is my body trying to convert energy <laughs> right now. So I will welcome you, friend, even though I'm cursing and, and not wanting to continue this climb because <laughs> your legs are burning. Your legs are on fire. All right. To continue on with the idea of base miles, on the other end of the spectrum from base miles is intervals or are intervals. Oh, whatever. Uh, and, you know, so it's intervals or speed work, basically, of some sort. I'm a real big proponent on doing some sort of interval session at least one to two times a week. You know, at least once a week is usually enough because guess what? This actually helps get your legs adjusted to welcoming that burning sensation and that heaviness that you might feel when you're biking. Now, my personal favorite is an interval that has a little bit of a longer work period than rest period. You know, um, kind of like the classic 40-20 interval. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't meant to sound evil, <laughs> but it came out that way. Um, but this is when you're doing 40 seconds of work followed by 20 seconds of rest. Or it's not like rest, like you're not biking. I mean, you're still spinning your legs, but it's like easy versus, you know, going at a 9 out of 10 <laughs> on the 40 second period. And just to give you an idea, I usually recommend doing about four to five sets of that at least two times, you know, with a three to five minute break in between. And that will help. Again, that's two whole sets, two whole sets of doing four to five subsets of 40 to 20 second intervals. It's a lot easier to see it written out than me talking about it. You just have to join. You basically just have to join the Shred Strong program to find out what this crazy interval is that I'm that I'm talking about. But I, actually, I, I bet if you Google like classic 40-20 bike interval workout, it'll probably pop up so you'll be able to see it online. But it just won't look as good as mine. I'm just kidding. It won't. It will. I'm just, I'm, I'm in a spicy mood today, folks. Um, when am I not in a spicy mood? All right, moving on. We have two more to go through. Hang in there. <laughs> so number five, you may not be eating ample protein. And... The reason I say protein is because protein helps foster muscle recovery. So it can be incredibly important in making your muscles feel less soreness, according to research and really according to my own anecdotal evidence. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, a good a good minimum is at least 100 grams per day, because, yes, the RDA is not enough. More research needs to be done. The RDA needs to be adjusted. Trust me, all the RDs that I work with and that I refer out to and that I, they're in my little circle. Shout out to you all. Uh, We talk about this time and time again. Like it really needs to be more than like 40 to 60 grams of protein per day. 
So try to aim for a minimum of 100 grams per day. Again, I've talked about it, uh, an ideal protein level in a previous episode. I will link that in the show notes. Um, So go ahead and check that out. But generally, as a rule of thumb, take your body weight in pounds and multiply that by about 0.7, roughly, you know, 70%. And that's actually going to be a good baseline for protein intake. So it gives you a little bit of an idea, but that's a pretty good bare minimum. Now, of course, this does depend on if you're, you know, um, a little bit heavier or things like that, then yeah, maybe, maybe if your fat levels are a little bit higher than, I will never reference BMI. Okay. Cause I think BMI is a bunch of bullshit, but, um, if you're just, if you have a little bit more fat on your body than is necessary, or if you're considered obese or something like that, then it will be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, just something to, something to keep in mind. Protein, I'm telling you, once you increase it and you realize how much less soreness you have, oh, you're going to never want to decrease it. All right. Drum roll, please, because we are at bullet number six. Last but not least, you should stay hydrated enough. And you should also make sure that you're not really sweating out too many electrolytes that are not being replaced. So hydration is incredibly important. It just makes you feel better, makes you think better, makes your energy higher. It even helps with, you know, fat metabolism, things like that if you're in a fat loss phase. But hydration can just make you perform better. It can also keep your body cooler, especially with the hot temperatures right now that we're experiencing here in the Northern Hemisphere. But a good rule of thumb for hydration levels is, you know, again, take your body weight in pounds, cut it in half, divide by two, 50%, whatever you need. And that's about how many ounces of water you need at a minimum. Now, on top of that minimum, because that's just for health, right? On top of that minimum for every hour that you're sweating, ideally get as close as you can to about 16 ounces of water in addition to that. Try to try to mix up, like if you are doing multi-hour events, great. Try to do every other bottle with electrolytes at a minimum. Uh, electrolytes, I mean, there's so many electrolytes on the market, friends. Uh, you know, personally for a daily electrolyte, I use noon tablets, N-U-U-N. So I use noon tablets, pop one in on water. It's a really good flavor, actually. It makes the water a little bit fizzy, uh, but it does settle down. I like it. It's, it's a light and refreshing electrolyte. Not really a ton of calories in there if that's important to you, whatever. Um, but when I'm on the bike, I do use Scratch. They're a boulder-based company, S-K-R-A-T-C-H. And uh, strawberry lemonade, PS, my favorite flavor. They're really good for on the bike. And I think theirs is called like a sports hydration mix or something like that. And it's a powder that you add to water. So you can easily add it to your water bottle. PS, because it is a natural electrolyte, very natural form. They even use natural flavorings, natural fruit and things like that in there, which is why it tastes so awesome. Do not, I repeat, do not put scratch in your hydration bladders. (laughs) And do not leave it in your water bottle and leave it in your car for like a week or two, or even just a couple days, because it is going to get rank. So I don't want you all getting and drinking moldy ass water because no one's stomach can tolerate that. All right. Uh, But electrolytes, incredibly important. Just find what works for you. You know, noon endurance. So noon, like I said earlier with that daily hydration, uh, Scratch also makes a daily hydration too, by the way, which is really good. And I'm actually getting ready to drink drink one of those because I'm getting ready to coach a clinic tomorrow. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of finding what what you want. Like noon makes a uh, noon endurance 
formulation, which is for a longer, you know, as you can imagine, more of an endurance event. Imagine that. And, but it's really good. And I think it's worth checking out. I I can continue on, but literally just kind of test some things out. Maybe ask your friends what they're using. Um, and just, you know, again, test it out because electrolytes are incredibly important. We as humans are electric beings. We literally need electricity for our heart to function, (laughs) for our heart to beat. Hence the importance of electrolytes. Electrolytes, uh, they include things, not just sodium and potassium. They also include calcium, magnesium, and chlorine. I mean, these are incredibly important and calcium and magnesium, those and sodium potassium, really, when you think about the pump system in your body, these help your muscles flex and relax. And if your muscles are feeling in your, especially in your legs are feeling heavy or fatigued, you want to be able to assist them as best as possible because your electrolytes might be off. So, you know, give them some assistance. However, please do not supplement with a potassium supplement. I'm going to repeat that one more time because it's incredibly important. Please do not supplement with a potassium supplement unless you are prescribed to do so by your doctor. The reason I say that is because potassium can be one of those finicky supplements that is unfortunately available on on store shelves and it can cause some uh, electrical imbalances when you take it and can cause injury to yourself. So please don't do that unless you're prescribed by a doctor. So the other thing I really recommend, and I'm going to finish off this, this episode with this, is please, if you're, if you're questioning your electrolyte level and you can't seem to solve it with just simple over-the-counter electrolytes like Scratch and Noon and things like that that you can get at a Target, then talk to your doctor. Get some blood work confirmation from your doctor, you know, just to see how your electrolytes are and see what, if you need to make any changes to that. Um, it's usually included in your annual physical and you know, I've talked about the annual physical and the importance of that. Um, please go do it. It is called an annual physical for a reason. It should be done every year. And I understand if you're, if you're scared of of physicians and healthcare practitioners, I understand that. That's why it's really important to find someone that, that you feel comfortable with, or maybe someone who looks like you. Um, I think it's really important to just have somebody that you can talk freely to and goodness, my, my PA shout out to you, Kayla, you listen to me so well. (laughs) Uh, yeah, Kayla Rowling, shout out to you. You, you do, you listen to me. So I appreciate that. You also put up with my dad jokes. So thank you for that. But, you know, test out, see if drinking some lighter electrolytes like noon tablets helps you and see if it, you know, if, if it feels better for you after a week or two, give it, give it more than a day, please. So, you know, test it out, be, be an experiment yourself, be an experiment of, of one with yourself and just see. Now, I know that this likely sounds like a lot of things to consider. And I did, I went through this as best as I could with some of the top things that I saw, you know, riding too close to your workouts. So being too close in your workouts and rides, uh, not sleeping and recovering enough, possibly under eating, especially with carbs before and after your workouts and rides. The fourth one was you may not have enough base miles or you might not be doing intervals enough. Fifth one was eating ample protein 
And then last but not least was hydration and electrolytes. So just getting that as dialed as possible. So going through that list, you know, think about some things that you can change. I really recommend not changing all of these things because then you're going to have six different things that you changed and you're going to have a difficult time figuring out what was the one, maybe two things that made the biggest difference. So what I would do is I would look through this list, think about this list that I just shared and think about the one or two things that you can change right now that are the simplest. Generally speaking, it's usually to increase protein and increase hydration for most people or to add an electrolyte, for example, especially if you're already hydrated enough, maybe electrolytes are are what you're missing. So maybe just add in a nice light daily hydration uh, or electrolyte rather with your hydration. So just think about it, but try not to make six changes all at once. Instead, keep it small, keep it manageable. You know, even with protein and eating more, try to think about the smallest possible change that you can make, which is going to feel like a joke and you're probably going to laugh, but just think about adding more protein to one of your meals. And I can almost guarantee you it's going to be breakfast for most people. You know, chances are if you're just eating one to two eggs at breakfast, that's just not enough protein for the average human. So think about just increasing protein in one meal. Start with breakfast. Milo agrees. He just sighed again. Um, yeah, but just start small, make it manageable because manageable is what gets done. All right. Now, if you feel like intervals and strength and things like that, base miles, if you feel like that is something that you've been neglecting, I have good news for you, friend, because my year round strength and conditioning program shred strong is starting the next phase on Monday, June 13th. It's the same program I use. So it works. I feel good. I never feel sore or overly sore or whatever. Um, I would love to have you join the other team of athletes with me. You basically can learn more and register by, please do register by the deadline of June 10th, but check out, learn more and register using the link in the show notes. It's shredstrong.lpages.co forward slash shredstrong forward slash. And you know, you get I can't even put it in words. You get so much for the $39 to $49 a month, depending on which package you buy. You get so much included with that, including, you know, analysis from me every week on your movement quality. I get to help you with substitutions if you need to substitute things. If you have a race coming up, I'll give you advice on that. And I also do a Zoom call every six to eight weeks with the team talking about a topic of their choice or my choice or a Q&A session just to kind of help everyone. Um, do a little happy hour on the, the Zoom. But yeah, I would love to see you in there. Check out the link in the show notes. And last but not least, seriously, thank you so much for joining today, friends. And I hope that you have a beautiful and strong day and that your legs are going to feel amazing on your bike rides coming up. <laughs> Bye. Bye.